After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. In this episode, I interview Melissa Nedved. She was an educator for over 10 years who taught high school primarily in a virtual setting. As an active duty military spouse, she found moving from state to state made it really difficult to maintain employment, and she eventually started looking for roles outside of the classroom. In this episode, we talk about all of the free military spouse resources she was able to find and her work as a project manager for an ed tech software company. Hey, Melissa, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Daphne. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience working in education, especially as someone who is an active duty military spouse, because there are a lot of challenges that really come with being both of those things at the same time. So do you mind just sharing a little bit about what your experience was? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I started out a little over 10 years ago as a high school math teacher, actually teaching in this high school I attended in a small town in South Dakota um, for two years. I have two years of, you know, in-classroom experience. And then I got married to my now husband, who is active duty, now Space Force, was Air Force. And we moved to Colorado. And I actually just happened upon a Craigslist ad to be a virtual math teacher. We moved After the school year had started, I was in a weird position. What am I going to do? And I actually um, got hired on as a virtual math teacher for Colorado online school. Worked there for six years. In that time, we moved to Alabama as part of our um, duty stations. And I kept that uh, Colorado job for about a year and a half, then decided to transition to something more local. So then I worked for an Alabama school for a year, uh, a little over two years. In that time, we moved out here where we are now, which is Central Coast, California, and um, was still working for them. Kind of the time zones made that challenging. But uh, in November, they actually had a bunch of layoffs. And as being out of state, I was let go from my position with really no warning and found myself in without a job in November living here in California. Yeah. And that's like one of the biggest challenges with active duty military is that you can be moving from place to place to place and not many teaching licenses are going to be that easy to transfer over. Is that something that you hit a roadblock with a lot? Did you have to go back to like school for some of the licenses when you were changing states? Yeah, it definitely is something I think that's commonly overlooked, but is a challenge when moving a lot. I never had to go back to classes, but I did have a South Dakota teaching certificate, a Colorado teaching certificate, and an Alabama teaching certificate. Um, I did have lots of states have reciprocity with other states. So I was able to, you know, uh, like I said, not take any more classes, but the paperwork alone can be really draining and figuring it all out. Um, In Alabama, I know they were backed up months. This was in 2020. So of course, the COVID shutdowns were going on and military spouses, I guess, had some amount of priority, but that part can be really frustrating. Yeah. And I know you would probably be paying the fees for all those different states as well. They do have programs that help cover them. 
to be honest, that's as much as I know. I didn't use them. I think actually they started that after I got my Alabama, which is the last one that I that I obtained. So there is some programs and some help. Unfortunately, I'm not exactly sure what the logistics of all of that um, are. Good to know for anyone who needs to research it a little bit more if they are planning on um, changing states. When you were bouncing back from a virtual setting to in-person classrooms, did you have a preference for one style versus the other? Absolutely virtual classroom. Um, You know, I spent two years, as all I spent in brick and mortar before I got my first online gig. And um, when I listen to, you know, your podcasts and I hear from other transitioning teachers about a lot of the struggles um, they're not absent in virtual teaching, but they're, they are a lot less in virtual teaching. You know, classroom management being a huge one, time commitment being another. So I did really enjoy that about the virtual setting. Um, it did seem to be a little bit less of a of a time, uh, a little bit less time we had to spend at, at it every day and time draining, I guess. And then, of course, you'd have much less classroom management. So I loved the virtual setting in that respect. Did you find yourself really wanting to leave the classroom just 100% due to bouncing around from state to state and it being too frustrating or losing your job? Or had you been thinking this whole time or at a certain point in your career that it was time for you to make a long-term plan? Yeah, some of both. You know, I did try to transition in 2020, um, the summer of 2020, which um, was actually when I switched from the Colorado School to the Alabama. So one of the struggles with being a career, or excuse me, a military spouse is that even though I was virtual, those virtual schools still have in-state testing and professional development days. And my school in Colorado didn't cover my travel. So I was still expected to go back four or five times a year, sometimes for four or five days in a row. And that was out of my own pocket. So I was losing money from the, you know what my salary should have been because I was having to do all of that. And the same was true when I was working for Alabama. They covered a part of my travel once I moved to California, but that was all coming, uh, that was partially coming out of my pocket. They paid some of my travel then. Um, and there is still just a pretty big commitment to living, to living in state. When I was transitioning from the Colorado school to the Alabama school in 2020, I actually made it to a final round interview for a professional learning development, something like that for a big company, um, where it was going to be some travel, but I was really excited. I really had my heart set on it. I thought I was going to get it. You know, honestly, I was pretty devastated. That was the first kind of experience I had like that because it's so different than interviewing for a teaching position. And so um, at that point, I was like, I'm really just looking for what's next, what's new. I really, I liked the idea of having a place to grow and to climb. You know, with teaching, if you don't want to go admin, there's really not a lot of growth. And that's something that I find really valuable. It's growing into a position, growing into leadership, um, advancing. And so that was kind of what first struck my eye about getting out of teaching is being in a position where I could kind of see myself progress. Teaching seemed a little bit stagnant in that respect. And that was ultimately why I transitioned as well in 2020 to the Alabama school is because I worked for that, that school was of a big company. And so I thought maybe I could eventually get into the corporate side of things. So that was kind of what first jump started. And then when I did lose my job in November of 22, I told myself and my husband, I'm like, we have six months. I'm not even going to apply for my California teaching certificate because I knew if I applied for it and I started applying for teaching jobs, I would probably get one. That would be, mm-hmm. it's, it was a safety net, but it also was like, if I don't apply for a teaching certificate, I can't apply to a teaching job when I get scared or nervous that this transition is hard and give in, I guess, in that way. Yeah. And that's like, 
not something that every single person can do. It means that you had a safety net and reliable income, but there are so many people who have to use that same strategy because they know if I take another year in the classroom, even if it's this is my last year, I'm just going to be focused on that for an entire year and I'm going to push back this goal. So there are so many teachers that we talk to that just don't sign that second year contract and then they go full steam September, October, November when it's not as um, competitive for many of the same types of positions that teachers are applying to. And it is a risk. I can't downplay that it's a risk, but it it does work for so many people also. Yeah, it was definitely like that catalyst, you know. Um, And I really, to be honest, I I knew and I told people, ultimately, this loss of job is going to be the best thing that happened to me career-wise. Like, I knew it in my heart that, like, I was going to use this to get out of teaching and into something that felt a lot better for me and a lot more comfortable and, you know, give me a better opportunity I just had to get there and I just, I didn't know what that path was, but I knew the end, but we also had a plan, you know, after this many months, we're going to do this. This is how long we can sustain it this way. So we had to be realistic about it. It wasn't something that could go on forever, but um, yeah, it definitely was the pressure that I needed to finally make the transition. So when you started looking for careers outside of the classroom, did you have a clear focus on what career you were interested in? No, (laughs) and um, not at all. I definitely took your quiz um, that, you know, kind of to point me in the right direction at one point. um, And that kind of led me customer success, which is the way I thought I wanted to go for a while. Um, I was reading a lot, taking in a lot of content. And I kept hearing this idea of like, you have to focus, take time, figure out what you want. Don't do the just spray and pray method, right? Where you're applying to anything. And I fought back on that idea so hard for so long. I was like, well, I will take anything. I am desperate despite not really being desperate, you know, I was like, I'm, I could do anything. I just wanted, I just want a job, you know, and it really took me a couple months to like hear that advice and kind of really sit down and think about what I wanted to do. And that was what led me to a lot of these resources that I've now since found that are there to support military spouses. And one of them was, um, it's called my SECO or spouses employment career opportunities And they offer career coaching and they did a Myers-Briggs and they did another like career assessment that I was able to take all of that. And I kind of took all those resources, pulled them together. And that's when I landed on project management ultimately as my path forward. But it definitely took a good two to three months to decide. There are so many people that I feel like they hear the advice that people are giving them, especially like spray and pray. Like we have... um, shouted from the mountaintops in teacher career coach resources like please do not if you're using the same resume for a customer success position and a project manager position and a training position and a curriculum writing position you're most likely you know there's always exceptions to the rule but most likely you're not standing out for a single one of those positions um and people are so resistant to it because they're stressed out and it is hard and it's challenging and it takes a little bit of extra effort. And why would you put extra effort in if there's not guaranteed success with that extra effort when you are in this place of burnout? But from the perspective of someone who does review resumes, who does work in like the hiring capacity, um, it is a lot better to put out 20 really excellent resumes fine-tuned to specific roles. And you can do that in a way that if you pick a single role, then you can 
spray and pray that (laughs) resume with some fine-tuned tweaks Mm -hmm. to it. But that's going to be so much more effective than 50 resumes that are just kind of generic. Um, And you're going to be frustrated by the end of it. And you're going to tell yourself it's impossible or that that's why, oh, no one's hearing back for any interviews. and, And there's no reason for me to put effort in. But you're just burning yourself out at the beginning stage of it if you're not open to yes the part of the process that people are really shouting from the mountaintops like I said I am I had some advice given by a mentor that said you know she said this was later on in the journey but she said you know first she asked to make sure you know we had some income and it wasn't you know I wasn't like truly desperate but then she said you know you're not desperate. You are picky and you get to be picky. Figure out what it is that you want. Like hone in on that. Don't just grab anything. And so it's just helpful to hear that, that like I felt desperate because I had never been in a position where I didn't have a job or a career. You know, once you, once I decided when I was 18, I was going to be a teacher that I answered that question for over 15 years, you know? And so when she was like, you're not desperate, that was really helpful to hear. Cause I was like, okay, that's right. Take a breath and re you know get my mind on straight that this is likely going to be where i head and so let's make sure we do it the right way yeah and that desperation is felt mm-hmm. on the other end as well in messages that you may send to the hiring manager and interview questions if you are like really giving off that vibe of i will take any position doesn't alleviate concerns because they're like, this person hasn't taken the time to even really understand this specific role. Um, And once they are in this role, how do we know they'll be in it for the long term? It's like you're courting someone for marriage, but then you're in that like first date with them and you're like, I date anyone. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It doesn't read well. And it, it just, it's, it was a mindset shift I had to get to. And I think it does take time. So I read that early on too. Like, you know, give yourself a little bit of time and really get get your mind right on this idea. Yeah. And I'd love to hear a little bit more because with military spouses, there are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of roadblocks that you're going to face. You're probably specifically looking for remote work or flexible work that is going to be open to you relocating. Um, But there's also this like network of support that's very unique to military spouses. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about how you found the resources, what types of resources you really leaned into? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I, you know, I remember at times my husband would email home, you know, bulletins I'd been sent to him at his work or something, but I had no idea what was out there. And I never even really thought to look. I truly kind of stumbled from one to the next to the next. But after I did secure my full-time job, I went back and reviewed. And I think I'm at like 11 or 12 different resources that I used um, to help me secure this employment in different facets. So the first was actually, it's called MySeco. I mentioned this earlier. And it's really the place I would recommend any military spouse who's career searching or even looking for schooling options. I know they support that as well to start. And I truly stumbled upon it by applying for a job to be a career coach with MySeco. This was, again, early on in the days of I didn't know what I wanted to do and the job description sounded kind of cool. And so I read the job description, applied for it, and then thought, 
I'm a military spouse. Maybe there's some resources here I can use and created an account online. And um, they're kind of a one-stop shop, at least for those initial steps. I had a career coach. I had resume rewriting. I had those personality tests completed. I met with her um, at least five or six different times over the course of a couple months. I had uh, practice interviews with them. I really started there. So that was very helpful for a jumping off point. Um, They also did like um, every few weeks, they would email you a list of jobs that were posted for military spouses um, preference to um, that fit your your resume ish, I will say. So that was very helpful. Um, But that also then actually, I think via a Facebook ad, I saw this hiring our heroes fellowship opportunity for military spouses. And that's by far the, I would say, the resource that I found the most helpful. So that's available to active duty military spouses and veteran military spouses and retired military spouses. So pretty wide net there. And they actually offer a 12-week fellowship if you get picked up by a company. And um, for active duty spouses, it's actually covered by the DOD. For the others, it's uh, through the Federal Chamber of Commerce that they pay for the spouse to work for this company for a 12-week fellowship. Um, and then that often ends in follow-on hire. So that's actually the program that I used that helped me land the project management position I'm in now. Um, so that was super, super helpful. But I'd also say I used um, a, a website called Candorful, and they offer three free practice interviews for military spouses. And those were incredibly helpful. Um, you know, I've done a lot of interviewing on and off over my you know, professional career, but you don't get feedback when you go to an interview. So it was so cool to go and get feedback from these professionals um, and then even meet professionals in the industry. You know, it wasn't necessarily that I was interviewing with, with other project managers, but I met one of the vice presidents of Mars Candy Bars and we just chatted for the second half of my interview and I got to make a connection and he put me in touch with project managers that he worked with to grow my network and learn more about it. So definitely that was another very helpful. So I've got more, but that's kind of a big <laughs> A big starting point. Yeah. And those ones, you know, people who are listening right now may have never like evaluated a paid offer for career coaching before. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the reasons why I started Teacher Career Coach and like our, the way that we started to coach people through our course was because there were so many career coaches that were charging thousands of dollars and it was just not sustainable on a teacher's salary to get that type of support. So having someone do all of the work that they are doing is usually something that costs a lot of money. And obviously we don't charge that much in our program. We've kept it as um, realistic as possible on the teacher's salary, but that is such a huge benefit for military spouses and wanting them to really take advantage of that because that is a lot of effort on someone's end doing it at no cost to you. Definitely. Yeah. And they're out there. I mean, um, so the unemployment rate for military spouses is 21% and the underemployment rate is 55%. So, so, so high compared to our national average, compared to even veteran um, unemployment rate. And so I do think that we're really trying to do something about that um, as a country and their resources are there. So use them if you qualify. Um, and use them in conjunction if you need to. You know, there are other transitioning teachers, but of course it's not focused on transitioning teachers like, you know, um, the teacher career coaches. So, you know, kind of combining things can be really helpful to making it work for you. 
Yeah, because there are going to be times where they're like, oh, I don't really understand what a teacher does. Like, you're going to have to explain exactly. to them and make sure that everything fits and works together. I've definitely mm -hmm. had military spouses that went through the teacher career coach course. Actually, the one that I'm thinking of top ahead actually went into project management as well, which is very, a very strange surprise. But I remember she was telling me about um, being able to, I think she was able to almost intern at places and learn from them and also had a mentor program. So it's probably something very similar. Sure. And uh, when I was working for Microsoft, I actually did some work for them where we had a coding camp specifically for children of um, active duty military so that they would be able to like learn software engineering and different types of careers that would help them stay remote or work remotely if they continued to live with their parents. And also they had a program for um, the veterans when they were finished with the service, if they wanted to start to go into working into tech, there was programs specifically for them as well. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of these um, resources are both veteran and military spouse friendly. Um, I think, Historically, we've been really focused on veteran employment, and that's incredibly helpful and important. Um, as you know, a military-connected person myself, but that's something I feel very close to. And we've done a good job with that. Our veteran unemployment rate is very in line with the national unemployment rate. Um, so I think now we've seen a little bit more of that shift. Um, this, the struggles that a military spouse faces in employment are very different than the struggles that we think of when we think of veterans. Veterans are leaving a service they're likely going somewhere where they will be stationary, where they will just have to figure out how to apply their skill set. And I'm not underplaying that because that's also a big struggle. But as a military spouse, especially for active duty, we are moving. Um, we are also often the primary caregivers if, if you have children and a family. Um, and so on top of maintaining employment, we're doing all of these other things. And it's repeated every few years often. And so it's a whole different approach to helping military spouses than it is to kind of what we think of in terms of helping our military families, which is veterans. You know, we are, I'm very grateful for the progress that's been made as I've learned a lot more about military spouse employment, you know, as I've kind of done this journey over the last 10 months or so. Yeah. It sounds like there's so many really great resources. I'd love to start talking a little bit more specifically about project management. When you were going through these programs and when you were talking to them about getting into project management, did they encourage you to take the PMP certification or did they really rely heavily on um, creating work experience and getting you your foot in your door, foot in the door through networking? Sure. Uh, great question. So that has a lot of kind of facets to it, of course. When I first started with my CEO, so this was like maybe a month into my um, transition journey, I had... I've thought about it then. And like I said, it definitely my um, career, my personality profile, all of the things really pointed there. And I remember my career coach mentioning that and I started looking into it. Another great resource that they have, it's called the Institute of Veteran and Military Families and um, Onward to Opportunity. And they offer classes and certification. You can do it uh, once for free for a variety of certifications, tech, HR, PMP and CAPM. And so she, my career coach with my CECO, pointed me in that direction and suggested I apply to take the CAPM. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had applied for the PMP because, you know, they do require three years of experience for your, the PMP, but 
I certainly had that in my 10 years of teaching experience. I could have created that and I've learned a lot since, but that's okay. I went with the certified associate in project management. So that was the 36 hour course. All of that was offered through Syracuse University. And then you had to like pass three practice tests at 80% or higher, and then they paid for your certification exam. So I just completed that in July and officially obtained my CAPM. So that was really helpful. Um, so that was kind of like step one. And it was actually in watching a like pre-recorded webinar of five different project managers, a lot in like the defense industry, some that were still military, but for this um, onward to opportunity course that they were talking about what they did as project managers that I really was connected with it. I was like, this is it. This is where I want to be. This is what they're talking about. That level of communication and organization, you know, working with people, but not necessarily being their boss. All of that really spoke to what I consider to be my skill set strengths, especially coming from virtual education where there's a lot of that. But any teacher has, you know, you can't be a teacher and not have a lot of skills in the project management. So that was kind of like my first step in that direction. Um, another huge resource for military spouses is you do get one year of LinkedIn premium for free. Mm -hmm. And every time you PCS or move, you can re-up that one year is what I've been told. So um, it was really through LinkedIn that, well, kind of twofold. So through LinkedIn that I had, I saw, I don't know how it popped up on my, I don't know, feed. Um, but someone was hosting an, an AMA and asked me anything for product management. And I thought, product management, that sounds like project management. I'm interested. I did the, um, I kind of took the approach of like, I'm going to try everything because I don't know what's going to stick. But in the world of project management, you know, I, I tuned down to where I wanted to be. I just was taking every opportunity I could get. So I attended this um, AMA and she had emailed out a little form. So I filled it out and she responded and said, you know, I really think it sounds like you're interested in project management. You're still welcome to come to my AMA, but I'm, I might host another with my coworker who is a project manager. Would you be interested in attending? I was like, yes, absolutely. So I did go to her product management, learned very quickly throughout her presentation. They're not the same. And I was not interested in product management. It was starkly different to me and not my interest. Um, and then a week later, she hosted the second one with her coworker who consequently is not my boss. That is the company I work for, but he was started talking about what he does as an ed tech company. Um, and I was like, that's so up my alley. The day-to-day -day just sounded very interesting to me, the path. And then I went to, shortly after that, I went to this two-day virtual conference called Amplify, put on by Hiring Our Heroes, again, free for military spouses, all about kind of transitioning in the career world. And they really, um, they really, suggested this idea of an informational interview. And it was kind of the first I'd heard of it. And so I was fresh off of meeting these people in this AMA, really interested in what they'd had to say. And I used that. I was in the, the, the conference and I shot a LinkedIn message and said, hey, I really was interested in what you had to say. Would you be willing to have a little chat with me so I can learn more about project management in an ed tech company? And so that that's what ultimately led me to my job and my fellowship. But so to, to answer your question in a very long fashion, yes, from all of these little picked areas of free resources the military spouses programs offered, I was definitely funneled into this idea of project management. Yeah, I think so many people want to hear a very clear 
yes, this is exactly what you should take. No, you can go ahead and skip that. And many times it's not as black and white. There are things that I would absolutely say you can pass on. Like you can pass on if people are telling you to send videos to hiring managers, but not apply using a resume. Or if people are trying to sell you a Canva template of a resume, please pass on both of those things. Your your time is better spent doing something else. Or pass on the social Saturdays when you're just connecting with all these transitioning teachers that don't have clear paths or ways for you to differentiate who you know or don't know on LinkedIn or how you ever connected with them. That's a pass for me. But when it comes to certification, okay, that may have not gotten you necessarily that um, job. They may have said, actually, we would have paid for you to do that on the other end. But would you have been able to interview as confidently if you had not taken some of these courses ahead of time? So sometimes the answer is just it really depends on your bandwidth and people can recommend what are the best ways for you to utilize your time, but it's not going to be a one size fits all answer, which is just so challenging for so many people to hear. And especially those on limited time, because you made this your full-time job for a couple of months and not everybody has that luxury. So making sure you make a really good use of the limited time that you have and throwing away the rest of the stuff that's not effective and just focusing on what is the most effective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking to the certifi- certificate, uh, you know, I think, again, obviously not a one size fits all. But as someone who is transitioning, I do think the fact that I, you know, at the time I didn't have my actual cap yet, but I was studying for it. I had completed the coursework. I do think that that stood out. Um, in showing that I was serious about the transition, that I was really mm-hmm. looking into, I wasn't just throwing a dart at a wall. I wasn't just spraying, praying, you know, I was really narrowed down to that. So I do typically, when I talk to others who are looking to transition, I, I think it doesn't hurt. And if you have, like you said, if you have the bandwidth, I think it's really helpful. Especially, you know, you, even just taking LinkedIn learning courses so that you have some advanced vocabulary and knowledge of the role can help alleviate those concerns. Definitely agreed. As we're wrapping up, I wanted to ask you, which is one of my favorite questions to ask uh, former teachers, what did you learn about yourself during this process? Yeah, I've been thinking about this because I listened to your podcast and I had a feeling this question was coming. Um, and I definitely have to agree with a lot of people say, you know, I learned that I can do it. But even taking it further, I think in teaching, you just are a teacher. Like I said, unless you go admin, unless you really climb out of the box, um, there's not a lot of like career growth. And so the mindset is very different than in the corporate world where there is a lot of growth that can happen and a lot of like learning. And so I really learned about myself that like I can learn new things and do brand new things. I remember the first day on my at my fellowship, which turned my full time job. Um, like I just was like, I don't, I don't know about that. I I don't have any idea. And I got a little overwhelmed. And then I did after a week or two, I understood that piece of it and learned a new piece and, you know, I'm learning so much new. And so I think just that idea that I can learn and grow and continue to do new things. That's really different than teaching was because teaching was although different being, especially being virtual, but a lot of the same. And I find that my job now is constantly growing and changing and causing me to grow and change. And I'm proud of myself for that. And it's been really a fun journey um, to go on. Such a valuable lesson. And I feel like it makes us learn more about ourselves and what makes us tick. Like I didn't realize like, 
I thought I was a, I thought I was like a weenie. I thought I was scared to do uh-huh. big things or make big changes. And then I realized like, no, you feel really unhappy if yeah. you don't get to try big things after okay. five years or 10 years. If you just stayed stagnant, you would feel uh, miserable. And that's something I never would have learned if I didn't actually go through some of the biggest challenges. I also love that you said in this podcast that you were very aware of me losing my job is going to be one of the best things that ever happened to mm-hmm. me. And do you feel like that really came to fruition? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I talk to my parents once a week and they ask, how's your job? And it's always, it's just always great. Like I, I really do love what I do. It is, it really plays to my strengths. I have the best team. I mean, um, you know, again, I worked remote, I've worked remote for 10 years, so it shouldn't be that new, but just the level of like autonomy I have and trust. And, you know, I think education is losing a lot of that for their teachers. And in my virtual jobs, I felt very stuck and very glued to my computer, even if I wasn't busy or, you know, not trusted to really perform how I wanted to. I was really, you know, here's my rubric and here's what I need, my, you know, observer needs to see. And so it was, it's been so eye-opening to be feel honestly treated like an adult and to be given the freedom to operate in the way that we need to. And, you know, if I make a suggestion, my boss's go-to is, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen, you know? Um, And it's been such an adjustment and I feel so like validated and just this level of freedom and, honestly, like pride that I, I often didn't feel when I was teaching. I didn't always know that it was missing until now I have it. And I couldn't be happier with that. Well, congratulations, because it's a lot of hard work and a lot of grit that got you to where you're at. And I'm just so happy that our paths crossed and that you came on here, especially because this is not um, my level of expertise or my area of expertise. And that we knew that there were so many people who are military spouses in our audience and we wanted to bring someone on and you brought on so many great resources. And I just thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, I, I, I really stumbled from one resource to the next when I was going through the transition. One of them being I didn't even talk about, but so hiring our heroes is the fellowship I use, but there's also Hire Heroes USA. And I was using one resource thinking they were the same. <laughs> so again, like it, I just want to spread awareness. I just want those out there who are in my position to not feel so alone to not think that you're in a struggle alone. Um, being a teacher is hard. Being a military spouse is hard. Um, and so I'm hopeful that I can bring some amount of relief in that capacity um, and happy to continue to share my journey with anyone who's interested because I think it's just hopefully going to be helpful to someone else along the way. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thanks, Daphne. I want to give a huge thank you to Melissa for coming on and sharing all of these great resources with this audience. If you are finding the Teacher Career Coach podcast helpful, please help us spread the word that this resource library even exists. While we have thousands of teachers who are listening to this podcast, there are so many people who really are struggling to figure out their next step or find ways to connect with former teachers or hear what their day-to-days look like in their new roles. Let them know how to find the Teacher Career Coach podcast by going to teachercareercoach.com forward slash listening and finding it on whatever podcast player you listen from and making sure to subscribe. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Teacher Career Coach podcast and we'll see you on the very next episode.